Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Well, good morning, Marion Church. My name is Curtis McGinnis. I'm Executive Director of Crossroads Church Partners. Ben didn't mention it, but we are one of the missions that, uh, that you as a church support as well. And um, we have some information out at that missions table and at the Welcome Center as well. I want to just tell you a couple things about us as an organization and a couple things we have coming up. Uh, the first one here is uh, we offer... Christian higher education classes. We actually do it right here in this building. And in 2022, we had 73 students who took classes with us. And so we offer all of these classes free of charge to people. You can audit them for personal enrichment. That's what most of our students do. Or you can take them for college credit. We have these two great classes starting uh, in about a month here. Uh, Rick Walston, who attends here, is going to be teaching a class on life of Christ. And I'll be teaching a class on developing spiritual disciplines, and we would uh, love for you to participate in that with us. The second thing is our Flourish Conference. We offer a conference yearly, uh, both in Minnesota here and Wisconsin. I think we have a slide on that. And uh, you as a church are already registered for that. I talked to Monty about that before he left uh, for Hawaii. And, uh, and so that's this is coming up in just a couple of weeks up in Lakeville, Minnesota at Valley Christian Church, and uh, we would love for you to come. Uh, we have Carl Vaders as our speaker this year. He is going to be talking about leading the small church and how we can lead and be involved in the small church without settling for less, and uh, just excellent material. And so if you are in any form of leadership here in the church, we invite you to attend uh, that conference here in a couple of weeks. If you have more, or more questions, you can talk to me after the service as well. Let's pray as we dig into God's word together. Heavenly Father, what an honor it is to be able to come together as believers here in this place and to worship you. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity. Lord, as Ben prayed during the prayer time and all these missionaries that we support in many of these places, they cannot come and worship you freely. They come and they worship you under great fear of persecution. So thank you for that privilege. Lord, as we open up your word today, as we look at the, the theological term before us, Lord, open our ears so we might hear and give us eyes so we might see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this series that you have been in over the last several weeks, You've been using different images, and all those images of past weeks are out in your foyer that Whitney has drawn. Today we have this image that she has drawn of a table, or it's up on your screen as well. A table. I love gathering around the table. The table is the centerpiece and heart of community. At it we share a meal and a conversation. We feast on food and on great conversations which nourish our mind and our soul. I found in our house that what is important comes out at the table. The things that are truly important, the things that are uh, of significance in our life, come out at the table if we will linger long enough there to hear. 
I don't know what your house is like, but oftentimes we gather at the table, we eat meal, we shove the food in, and then we go on with our activities. Can anybody relate? But it's when we pause and we just sit a little bit longer, when we probe and ask questions a little bit deeper, that all of a sudden this sense of deep belonging and connectionness and love can be found. And so I think the table is a great image for the topic we're going to be talking about today. We're going to begin by looking in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, as it begins, it almost recaps for for us some of the places you've been over the last several weeks. Big terms like justification and regeneration and sanctification. And if you weren't here in the last several weeks, I encourage you to go on and online and listen to those past sermons. It starts this way in Romans chapter 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And again, it recalls for mind these sacred spaces that you've been talking about. Terms like, again, justification, regeneration, sanctification. And here at the beginning of chapter 8, Paul is telling us that because we belong to Christ, because we have been justified, because we've been regenerated, because of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we don't live in fear because through Jesus Christ, God took care of it all. There's no fear of condemnation. We stand in a place where we are right with God. And he tells us that because of this, we are no longer led by sin, but we are led by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit and are led by the Holy Spirit. Jump with me here to verse 14. David's on top of it. He's already there for me. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I love that. All who are led by the Spirit of God. Paul here is beginning to hearken back, and he wants us to go back to the Old Testament. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God had rescued his people out of Egypt, and they wandered in the desert for a while? It says that they were led at night by a pillar of fire, and by day by a pillar of cloud. This is how they were led in the Old Testament. And Paul is beginning to remind us as he says that we are led not by a pillar of fire or cloud, but we are led by the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit to lead us. But do you also remember the Israelites as they were wandering around? Even though they were led by God, they were tempted to go back to Egypt. Even though God was providing for their provisions, it wasn't always the easiest road And they oftentimes called out to Moses, let us go back. We'd rather be slaves than we want to be, rather than wandering around here in the wilderness. And the same reality is true in our lives as well. That there are times when we would rather go back to sin and slavery and death than to be led by the Holy Spirit. It seems easier to give in rather than to fight and to struggle But if we are led by the Spirit, 
it tells us here that we are children of God. We have been given a new identity. We are no longer our former self, our old self. We have a new identity as children of God. I was giving Dr. Wadham a hard time before the service, just as he was rightly giving me a hard time, if you know him. But I remember sitting in class with him when he began to extrapolate out for us what it meant to have a new identity in Christ. That our new identity is not based upon who we are, the car we drive, the job we have, the house we own, the things that the world looks at. No, our identity is found in whose I am. And he says, you are a child of God. That is your new identity. And then he gives us this great reminder in our word that we're going to be looking at here today. In verse 15, it starts like this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We're going to be looking at this term of adoption today and what adoption means. It says that when we, when we commit our lives to Christ, one of the first signs that the Holy Spirit gives us is he gives us the ability to recognize God as our Father. See, at the, great time, at the same time that he did this justifying of us and the regeneration of us, he does this adopting of us and invites us to sit at this table with him. And he assures us of our status with him. Here's the definition for adoption. Adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Just like in justification and regeneration, the focus is all on God. In adoption, the focus is all on God as well and what he has done. It is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. See, it is his table... And he invites us in to his table. We're invited around the table. We now have a seat at the table. And what happens in adoption is we are introduced to a new relationship with God. Something different that we haven't had before. In 1 John it says it this way, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. See, the truth is that unbelievers do not and cannot experience this type of adoption that believers have. Unbelievers cannot experience what it means to be a son or daughter of God. This is something that is special for those who God invites. You see, God is the creator of all, but he is not the father of all. And that is an important distinction to keep in mind. God is the creator of all. He created all mankind, but he is not the father of all. When we accept him, he gives us this spirit of sonship. He adopts us into his family. He makes us his children. And around the table... He reminds us that he's not a judge, not just a judge who justifies us, 
Not simply a healer who regenerates us. He's not some fearsome taskmaster and we are his slaves. He is a loving father who has adopted us. And we look at him affectionately and trustingly. And so in adoption, we are adopted into his family. We are welcome at his table. We are his children, adopted sons and daughters. So we pause and ask, why is this important? Why did Monty ask me to talk about this, this theological phrase of adoption? What is the true significance for you and me? I think this is it, is that God could have justified us and not adopted us. I want you to think about that for a second. God could have justified us and made us right with him, but he could have said, you're not adopted and welcomed in at my table. See, we relate to God differently in adoption. In regeneration, we are made a child of God, but in adoption, you begin to live it, experience it, and enjoy it. In adoption, we realize we are not only forgiven of our sins and made legally right with God, we now also have the privilege and responsibility of being part of his family. We are restored to a right position of favor with God. John says it this way in John 1, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. As sons and daughters of God, we claim all the benefits provided to us by the loving Father. See, what happens in adoption is we focus on the personal relationship that salvation gives. It's not just a legal understanding that we're legally right with God. It is an idea that we are personally right with God. We are God's children in a special sense. We are members of his family, and we experience God in a way only possible for those who are children of God. Let me try to illustrate it. When Monty was hired here at the church, we all loved Monty. Gene and Cozy loved Monty even when he was initially hired, and they invited him to their house, and he had a meal there. But that relationship changed about a year, about six months ago when Monty and Whitney said, I do to each other. And Gene no longer looks at Monty as just some invited guest. There is a place, I am sure, at their house that Cozy has set aside with a chair that is Monty's chair. And he is now in that house and he is welcomed, not just as a guest at their table, he is there at the table. You catching what I'm saying? Not only that, you know, but Gene might have liked Monty, but, but there is now a new relationship because you and I aren't in Hawaii with Gene today. <laughs> you catching what I'm saying? There is something personal that happens. It's now a personal relationship. It's not Monty's the minister. No, Monty is my son, is what Gene says. Monty is my son, is what Cozy says. 
And he now has all the privileges and responsibilities that go to being part of that family. This is how Paul even takes it further. He says, now we call him Abba Father. And so God looks out at us here today. And he can point and say, Ken, you're my son. And he can point over here and he can say, Denny, you're my son. And Carrie, you're my daughter. We can know him in a personal way. And we don't no longer call him sir, we can call him dad. He gives us this informal intimacy. I remember about 11 years ago, I I graduated with my doctorate degree, and this is this pomp and circumstance, this highly formal gathering. They said, we don't want any whoops or hollering, anything like this. This is a distinguished event, you know, and so... They call us up onto the stage one at a time. They introduce us officially with the title of doctor. They put us with this fine hood on our fancy robes that we're wearing. And, you know, it's, you're, you're feeling so proud of this new title you have, of this degree that you've earned. And as I walked off that stage, ten, Ted then, just about four years old, just this little guy, I look at him and he says really loud so everybody could hear, Daddy! That's what Paul is saying here is our relationship with our Father. When he adopts us in, when we are welcomed at his table, we now can say, Daddy. It's a new relationship. God desires to have this deep interpersonal relationship with you and he says the Holy Spirit plays a key role in that because we are led by the Spirit. The Spirit takes us by the hand. He guides us. We can trust in him to protect us and lead us and we can live like sons and daughters of God. And if you have kids or grandkids, when they take your hand, they're putting their trust in you. You're not going to lead them astray. You're not going to lead them into bad places. You're not going to lead them uh, into their harm. You're going to do what is best for them. And God is inviting us in this intimate way to put our hand in his and to trust him to lead us and to guide us. I don't know about you, but I, I call my dad for help all the time. Dad, what should I do in this circumstance? Dad, I need help with this. I've even said, Dad, I need a loan before. You see, those are things that we can call out to God for. God, I need your help. And he says, I invite you. I want you to do this. You can call me your Abba Father. And you can bring me not just the big things of the world, but tell me what's happening in your life today. Tell me the things that, are str- that you're struggling with today. Tell me the things that are a concern on your heart today. God says, I want to have that type of relationship with you. Verse 16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. 
You see, the Holy Spirit continues to assure us and remind us of our status with God, that we can know him in a deep and personal way, and that we can have future assurance. Why? Because we are his son and daughter, and only in God do we have security. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as children of God, not in fear and shame, but to live out our true identity of adopted sons and daughters. Let me just pause here. Because for some of us, this is too much. For some of you, this is a very, very hard concept to get. You have less trouble believing that Jesus died on the cross for you, but you question being a child of God. Maybe that's from your upbringing, and, and maybe you didn't have a loving father. Maybe it's from a church background that was very heavy-handed and legalistic and talked about God as the judge, but never heard that God was your Abba Father. And so for many of you to grasp hold of this, is a big task. And we question our identity of a child of, a, of, a, of the king. We question our place at the table if we deserve it. And I just want to remind you again that you are loved and known and his perfect love drives out fear. See, it's his love, not mine. And no, we're no longer locked into slavery and sin because of the father's love. And so we need to take hold of this as adopted children today. Verse 17 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. See, there's a present future reality to this. Yes, we are adopted into his family, but we will not fully experience it until sometime in the future. In a few verses later, it says this, We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So we have, a, we have a present reality that we are God's adopted children, but we will have a future reality when we are given new bodies in fulfillment of the privilege of adoption. And we're heirs. We're heirs. We don't get God's stuff, though. We get God as his heirs. We're filling out right now, Amy and I are, we're creating this living trust and talking about who our heirs will be and who will get what of ours and God's not saying you're going to be on his living trust. He says, you're going to get me. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get me in all my fullness. This is the way Paul says it in Galatians chapter 4. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We are like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. 
And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now we are no longer a slave, but God's own children. And since we are God's child, God has made us his heir. That's how Paul says it in Galatians. So in the closing few minutes here, I want to talk about some of the benefits that happen because of God's adopting us. What are some of the benefits of being adopted into his table and around his table? I get many of these from Erickson in his commentary. The first is forgiveness. See, again, we've talked about this, that God justified us and made us right. God forgives us, but we're also to forgive others. In Ephesians, it says that he is merciful, tenderhearted, and kind, not stern, harsh, or severe. And there is a continued forgiveness for us. Adoption is the promise that future sins will be forgiven. See, somebody put it this way. In, In justification, the judge said all that happened before is made right. But a judge, when you come before a judge, they cannot forgive you for future things. They only forgive you for past things. Adoption, when we are adopted at his children, God gives, or when we are adopted at his table, God gives us the assurance that everything in the future will be forgiven as well. And so as children of God, we can live in peace with God. Secondly here, benefit is that we have liberty. We have freedom. We don't have to live as slaves in fear anymore. Paul talked about that numerous times here in in Romans 8. We don't need to live that way. But liberty is not a license. Galatians 5 says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So liberty that we have, this freedom in Christ, isn't a freedom to do whatever we want. He says you're to serve. And how do we serve? We don't serve out of fear or pressure, but out of a higher motivation, a friendship with God. John 15 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So we have great liberty as adopted children. Third here, as adopted children, we don't obey out of fear. We obey out of love. We have a higher motivation. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commands. As we are around his table and as God asks us to do something, we don't do it because we think that he is this slave driver. We do it because he loves us and has invited us in at his table. Fourth thing is we receive God's fatherly care. Again, we've talked about this already today. But as our Heavenly Father, we can come to Him confidently, boldly, and expectantly. When we pray, we don't have to shrivel back. We can go to Him as our Abba Father, knowing that He cares for us. And so we can receive His fatherly care that only He can give to us. Fifth benefit, and this might not sound like a benefit, but there is discipline. There is discipline still. 
See, he's our heavenly father, not our heavenly grandfather. There's a distinction. Those of you who are grandparents, you know there's a distinction. You guys sugar them up and send, us, send them back home to us. That's what you guys do. Hebrews tells us this. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? You see, God's discipline of us is a sign of his love for us. If we were not invited around his table, if we are not there, you know, then he's not going to discipline us in the same way. See, God wants what is best for us. And his discipline is, again, evidence of his love. And finally, we have the Father's goodwill. He is ours and we are his. We're not judged by our past, but by who he is and what he has done. And through adoption, he extends to us all the benefits of his measureless love. And he shows us his goodwill as we gather round his table. And he invites us today to gather round his table. That if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says, there is a place at the table for you. There is a chair with your name on it. There is a placard there uh, with your name on it. There is, what, there is the best food and everything at the table that you could imagine. It is set just for you. And so he says, come. Come. Come to my table. Come to my table and experience all that it means to be my child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, this, is, this is hard for many of us to grasp. Many of us, we've been following you for a long, long time, and this idea that you love us in this way is, is just so extraordinarily profound. Help us to take hold of it. Help us to live as your children. Do not, us, do not let us continue to live in fear. Do not let us to continue to live as slaves. Help us to live as your children, to take hold of all that you have for us as your sons and daughters. Thank you for this image of the table where we are invited to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name.